Good morning, church. Our scripture for this morning comes from Psalm 88. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overwhelmed with troubles and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. I call to you, Lord, every day. I spread out my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? Are your wonders known in the place of darkness? or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth, I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long, they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's psalm is pretty unique in one way. Most psalms, uh, even if they are sad, even if they are written by someone who's struggling, most psalms have a turn. Some moment where the psalmist lists all of their troubles and then says, but you, Lord, have saved me. You have pulled me out of the pit. You have pulled me out of the valley. But this one does not. This one goes all the way down. It blames God. It lashes out. The psalmist cries out and there's seemingly no turn. There's no point where the psalmist says, but here's the bright side of things. Now, as a song, this entire psalm is just sad. The whole thing is sad. And it doesn't mean, for this psalmist, it doesn't mean that there was never any end to the hardship. It doesn't mean that there was no good news. It just means that the entire psalm takes place in the middle of the hardship. The whole thing is a sad song. So here's our question today. What do we do when we're in the middle of it? What do we do when we haven't yet arrived 
at the point where we can rejoice? What do we do when the entire song seems to be a sad song? When Chris and I worked at camp years ago, we were once setting up a campsite down in an arroyo, a, a valley at camp. And as we were setting up these tents for the campers to stay in later, these clouds rolled in. And before we knew it, there was a downpour. So we decided to hide in one of the tents for a little bit, but the rain kept coming. And we started to get worried because we are in a valley and we knew what happened. We knew how that arroyo came to be. So we decided to, to leave before there was any sort of flooding that came down that way. And the rain was coming down so hard as we were making our way out of that valley that we finally just climbed right up the side. Uh, it was very difficult going. We had to grab onto branches and, and grass, but we had to climb right up the side. But I feel like that's kind of what we're like when, uh, when things are difficult, when we feel like we're in a valley. As Christians, sometimes we want to climb right up the side. We are scared. We don't want to go through it. Uh, I'm glad that that day at camp, Chris and I could climb up the side, but sometimes, sometimes the only way out of the valley is through it. Sometimes you just can't make it up the side. And as Christians, that's difficult. It's difficult to stay in that space, in that difficulty. We almost can't stand the tension. We want to make things happy as quickly as possible. We want to shore up our optimism. We want to climb up the side walls of the valley. We want a shortcut out. But what good does this do if we're in the valley? So I've come here as much a reminder to myself as anything. I'm going to preach this whole sermon from the valley because there's good news even here. When I was uh, pregnant with one of my kids, I remember going to my doctor for a regular visit and I got up the guts to tell him, I told him, I know that there are mood swings with this, but my emotions are all over the place. I'm fantasizing about running away. It's bad. <laughs> And he said, well, okay, I can prescribe you something. It's safe for the baby. You know, give it a try and see if, see if it evens you out. And it did. Uh, it helped with the pregnancy mood swings. And I reported back to the doctor. I said, it's going, that's going great. And he said, well, after the baby's born, sometimes you can still feel all over the place. So if you like, go ahead and stay on the medication. So I did. And as the weeks went on, I started to think, this feels really normal in a way that I had never experienced before. I thought, is this what it's like for most people? Because I started to realize, I started to realize even when I wasn't expecting a baby, that for my adolescence and adulthood, that uh, 
I had these moments where I would just snowball and it was disproportionate. It was like crying over spilled milk sorts of stuff. And so I started to think, is this, is this what normal feels like? This is kind of weird. And I started thinking back to so many times when the waves felt like they were overcoming me when I was in school and something minor happened and I just felt despair and I didn't want to cry in front of my classmates, but I couldn't help it. And man, I wish that I, I wish I were like all of my other classmates. I don't see them doing this. I don't see them drowning. And I started to look back and I saw so many times where I had prayed to just be normal. And it reminds me of this story the Apostle Paul tells. He talks about how he had this thorn in the flesh and we don't really know what it was, whether it was a physical ailment or mental or a circumstance. But he says that he prayed to God three times to remove it. He prayed for God to make him normal. He prayed for God to make it easier to take him out of the valley. And of course you've heard that's famously, God answered, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now I love that story, but we look at that story through the benefit of hindsight. When Paul got this inspiring message back. But imagine that you're Paul in the middle of the story. Imagine that you're Paul and you've begged God. You've begged God two times to take away this hardship. And you didn't get an inspiring answer yet. You didn't get a solution. So you just pray a third time. I think if I had the choice, I would want to live my whole life on the mountaintop. Just smooth sailing, things are easy, nothing's terrible, feeling good. But if I got my wish, if I lived my whole life on the mountaintop and never ended up in the valley, there are people there are people I could never reach because there are people who live most of their lives in the valley. There are people struggling who I would never be able to reach if I stayed on the mountaintop. I remember once I went to annual conference and there was a district superintendent retired who was asked to give the benediction at one of the sessions. And uh, this was my favorite benediction I've ever heard. And I don't have the clout anywhere to do this as a benediction. <laughs> but this, of course, this retired superintendent did. He didn't care. So he got up there and he said to everyone gathered, he said, may you all go to hell. And he waited a beat for all of us to get our gasp over with, you know, pick our jaws up off the floor. And then he continued. He said, because there are people 
who are in hell right now, who are struggling. There are people who are hungry. There are people who are hurting. There are people who are going through hell, who are sick, who are injured, who are desperate. So go there and meet them and love them. When we're in the valley, although we would never choose to be, when it's a sad song, although we would never choose that song, when we're there, we are closer to others in pain. We can reach others that we could never reach otherwise. I think back to that poor kid that I was crying in school, begging God to make me normal, begging God to even out my moods, even out my feelings. And then I think about this year. It's just so happened that many times this year, I've had the opportunity, I've had the honor to tell several people, it's okay if you're feeling depressed. Now I've spent most of my life learning that lesson. It's okay if you're feeling depressed. If you have this unshakable optimism, I think that's amazing. God bless you, that's wonderful. But if you need to hear this, if you need to hear that it's okay to feel whatever kind of way you're feeling, it's okay if you're isolated or if you're hurt or if you're struggling, that's okay. It's right here in scripture. You're represented right here in scripture. Now, asking God all those years to make me normal, to even me out, to take this away, to make me like everybody else, I never would have thought that I would be able to offer that message to people. That God could somehow use even that, could use even me. There's a story in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Kings where the Arameans are setting out to attack God's people. They're setting out to war and the king of Aram, his advisors come to him and they say, O king, we know how to defeat Israel. The gods of Israel are gods of the mountains. Surely they had heard the stories of Mount Sinai and these legendary stories. And every god back then had their jurisdiction. And so these advisors said, their gods are gods of the mountains. So if we fight them on the plains, we'll succeed. Their gods can't go there. And so God, the Lord God replies to Israel. This is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is a god of the hills and not a god of the valleys. I will deliver this vast army into your hands. You will know that I am the Lord. This is the power of God. God is not only powerful when we're on the mountaintop. God is not only mighty to save 
when we've shored up our optimism. God is not only powerful when it's a happy song, when we can turn things around, when we can crawl up the side of the valley, when we can see the bright side. He's also God when we can't. I try to limit my C.S. Lewis references to once per year. I don't know how successful I am in that, but he wrote this book called The Magician's Nephew. One of the books featuring that great lion Aslan who represents Jesus. And in The Magician's Nephew, there's one point where this little boy, he has a sick mother and he looks at Aslan and he senses his great power. He's seen his great deeds and he goes up gets up all of his courage, stares at his feet, and through tears says, I'm sorry to even ask this, but can you please do something to help my mom? Can you please do something to heal her? And then the little boy looks up, blinking through his tears, and sees the last thing that he expects. He looks into the face of that lion, and he sees deep, mournful, wet tears. This is the good news of the gospel in the valley. Without pretending that we can climb right out of the valley, the good news is that we're not there alone. That we have such a wonderful God who could have stayed on the mountaintop, but who became God with us, who weeps with us, who cries out with us, who prays and struggles with us. I love the part in the famous 23rd Psalm that says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Not, I will not fear because you'll pluck me out of the valley. Not, I will not fear because I can see the bright side. But I will not fear because you are with me. Church, whatever you're going through, whatever kind of way, you're feeling, whatever you're struggling with, whether you're in the middle of a happy song right now or whether you're in a sad song. That is the good news for each of us, that we do not have to go through it alone. Even if the entire song feels sad, there's someone right beside us who hears it. There's even someone right beside us who sings it too. Amen.